Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 10 in the series, The Armour of God. This is the morning session of Sunday the 30th of August 2009, and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Here's Pastor Russ Iveson. Thankful to be able to be with you again this day. Find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6. And just about at the end of our study, Ephesians chapter 6, begin reading in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That brings us down to... Verse 18, and uh, grammatically speaking, there is no uh, break between verse 17 and verse 18. We uh, were uh, commanded, you will recall, to receive, to, uh, to take the helmet of salvation. And we noted, based uh, uh, because of 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, that we are taking uh, a a, a uh, that uh, precious promise uh, uh, of a completed salvation. He tells us over there in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and uh, verse 8, uh, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. And uh, and uh, we, we uh, have a, uh, a, a completed salvation. And uh, we're saved from the very presence of sin and the redemption of the purchased possession. Uh, Paul tells us back in uh, in Ephesians chapter one and uh, uh, and uh, uh, verse thirteen, he says, "You were uh, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of His glory." And this this is a motivating hope. It is a hope that inspires to, to faithfulness. But be, emphatically between the two direct objects, there is the, the imperative to take, the command to, to take, to receive. And uh, the, uh, the, the second weapon is the, the sword of the Spirit, uh, that Roman short sword. And uh, that is the uh, uh, belongs to the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and uh, it is the Word of God. We pointed out that our word, their word, is is not logos, but rima. 
It is a topic of narration that flows forth from God. You know, and it brings to my mind that that Paul tells us that this word uh, is living. It's powerful. And uh, and, uh, uh, we have here a very, very powerful weapon, a very sharp weapon, a weapon that is able to separate us from sin. And it flows, and it flows from God. There's no break in the text. Verse 17 flows right on into 18. But yet grammatically, verse 18 especially, we read here, diapases prosukes, by all prayer. And it's subordinate, though, to uh, something we've seen previously, stay to own uh, the emphatic command uh, of verse 14, stand therefore. Someone made the observation, we stand the tallest when we kneel to pray. Uh, I trust you'll forgive the illustration. But the American Revolution was at its absolute darkest hour in the winter of 1777-78. And there at Valley Forge, and I've been there uh, in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, Washington made camp at Valley Forge, and uh, his army uh, was barefoot. His army was in rags. His army had dwindled from over 10,000 to less than 3,000. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, three, uh, dwindled to less than 10,000, I should say. And in that winter alone, 3,000 would die. I've been there and I've seen the, the, the remnants of the, the, the huts that they had. They cut down a forest and, and made them, uh, log huts, but, there wasn't enough there for everyone. And uh, it was a tough time, and it was a heavy winter. Men were freezing. Yet Washington's men saw the general go and kneel in prayer before God. And uh, one of the truly great portraits in history is the Reconstruction that that art, the artist made of that scene, and yet that winter, that season in prayer, was really the the turning point uh, in that war, and uh, uh, we find that uh, uh, that it, it Washington's prayer and his yieldedness there was that turning point. Paul commands here: stand, therefore. We are commanded to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then notice what follows on here. Dia passes prosukes kai deseus prosukamenoi. Dia is the preposition of agency by or through. Passes is the genitive singular feminine adjective or every kind of. Uh, Prosukes is the genitive singular feminine noun. It's prayer. It's worship. There is a connection here. 
There is a connection here, and I see it from experience. One cannot be. One cannot be in God's Word studying. As the Scripture tells us that we are to study without the Spirit of God taking that precious Word of God and convicting us of sin, which prompts then a, a confession of sin. The Spirit of God reveals great truths to us which prompts the praise and the worship of our awesome, holy God. The Spirit of God points us to promises that we can claim, which leads to, uh, again, to our conjunction, chi and uh, desius is the genitive, singular feminine noun, prayer, request, supplication, beseeching, petitioning. Petitioning either for our own needs or for the needs of others. The Word of God and prayer go hand in hand like a hand and a glove. Frequently the Spirit of God will use a verse from the Word of God to, to, to uh, remind uh, of another brother who needs prayer on his behalf. We may or may not know what to pray for, but the Spirit of God does. Wasuka meno is the nominative plural masculine, present middle passive deponent participle. Here is an action that Paul uh, points to the members of the congregation at Ephesus to take, the members at Ephesus, and subsequently we, Paul's readers, are the subject the present participle is a continuous action. The middle passive deponent tells us that they are uh, can, uh, to, to act concerning themselves, but they have the help to act. That help is the indwelling Spirit of God through the Word of God. Prasukomeno is to pray, to supplicate, to worship, to make prayer. Why or how are we to pray, to continually pray? He goes on, and Ponti Kairu, and is in, Ponti is every or all, and Kairu is the dative singular masculine noun. Zodiades tells us of Kairu, I quote him, there is really no English equivalent. We see it translated as occasion. We see it translated as a convenient or due season or set or proper time or opportunity. It's a season it's, or a period of opportunity. This is not crisis praying. If we did more of this praying, we would have far fewer crises. But in a very real sense, Paul is describing here habitual praying. Here is the praying that Christ tried to encourage the three in the garden with. If you look in Matthew chapter 26, for example, and verse 41. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41 then you have here, uh, they come out of the 
upper room and they've come into the garden. And in Matthew 26, 41, the Lord says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We find that also it would be the praying of Luke 18, 1. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. But here in the garden, what happened? Our Lord's closest three continually were sleeping. But our word here is the praying of Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. It's the prayer of Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. It's the prayer of Luke chapter or Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. It's the prayer of 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Strangely enough, it was Brooke Foss Westcott who wrote, The power of prayer is gained by systematic discipline. Could it be that we don't prevail like we ought to because we're not disciplined enough? We're frail. We're made of the same mud as the as the twelve. Francis Folks wrote, Constancy in prayer and the natural recourse of the Christian to prayer come only as prayer has become a habit of life and as a person has learnt to keep alert with all perseverance. For this to be true, prayer must be our first and our constant uh, uh, resource not our last. It must be our first and our constant resort, not our last. Somebody once said, when all else fails, pray. Well, you know, Scripture is true. If we prayed, all else wouldn't fail. We're to constantly pray. In every opportunity, and at Numati is preposition, and is in, and Numati is the dative singular neuter noun. Uh, truth to tell, there's no definite article here. Our word spirit is anarthrous. So we have no difficulty in saying we're talking about the Holy Spirit Himself. He is our outside help, as we've seen. In the passive voice and form of the participle to pray. He is that outside help. He is the one who both authors the word of God and wields it as a sword, as we saw in verse 17. There's the Spirit of God who is Christ's intercessor in our hearts. Notice with me, please, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and uh, picking up in verse 14, where Paul writes, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, 
They are the sons of God. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then notice in verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the man of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I got an email late the other night. I have a friend whom I met quite by accident. Back in about 1976, I had just started working at a radio station in Springfield, Missouri, KWFC. And uh, <laughs> I'm the guy they stuck on after everybody went to sleep and nobody had to put up with me. And uh, But nearly midnight, I heard something going on in the building. Since I had a tape program on, I started going around to investigate because there was not supposed to be anybody in that building but me. And I went all the way down into the basement. And there was a young lady working with probably the largest computer I'd ever seen at the time in the basement of the building. We became friends known her all these years. I've known her husband. I've stayed in their home. And uh, Friday night, late, the email came. Her oldest son had been killed in a car wreck. From down deep inside, tears just welled up. It's times like that when you hurt so bad that you don't know how to frame the words. But I'm so thankful for the indwelling Spirit of God who knows how to take that hurt and that pain and convey it to the Father. When we are burdened to pray for someone but do not know the specific circumstances. It is the Spirit of God who is urging. It is the Spirit of God who is compelling us to pray that he might apply that prayer. His ministry is to intercede with us on Christ's behalf. Paul is only building on something our Lord himself taught that night in the upper room as, as he was preparing to go out to the garden and have the disciples fall asleep. In John chapter 14, picking up in verse 26, the Spirit of God says here, the Word of God says here, but the Comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 15, 26, he returns to it again. He says, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, verse 13, he says here, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come and he shall glorify me for he shall receive a mine and show it unto you praying in the spirit is truthfully praying in partnership with the Holy Spirit I had a professor my first several years at Bible College. By the time that Elmer Deal came to teach the subject of missions, he'd already been 20 years in the Belgian Congo. And uh, he came to teach at Baptist Bible College by a rather interesting chain of events. He'd been in Zaire, what is now Zaire, for better than 20 years. He was one to the Lord by Dr. Clifford Clark, the pastor of Tulsa Baptist Temple at the time. And Tulsa Baptist Temple became Elmer and Mary's sending church. And on a Sunday morning, Dr. Clark stood up and had just finished reading the text of his message. And all of a sudden, he just stopped. And there were over 3,000 people in that auditorium that morning. He said, folks, we're going to forget the message. We need to get down, and we need to pray for Elmer and Mary. And that whole congregation just got down in their pews and began praying for Elmer and Mary. Dr. Clark told them, I don't know why, but there's, a, there's something in my heart that's troubled. They need us to pray. It was nearly a year later that Elmer and Mary showed up in that congregation out of the Congo and Elmer was speaking, and he began to relate how that at that very, very moment that Dr. Clark stopped the service and pleaded with the congregation to pray. The United Nations forces on one side and the rebel Congolese forces on the other side started shooting each other with all kinds of heavy artillery and automatic weapons, and the only thing in between them was Elmer and Mary's house. And they were under all of the mattresses in the house in between. And it was days that they spent under those mattresses before the forces finally broke off and Elmer and Mary were able to get out. Dr. Clark didn't know, but the Spirit of God did. Notice what Paul 
and Jude agree on. In Jude verse 20, Jude verse 20. But, beloved, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And Paul says over in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, And because your sons God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Paul taught that both Jew and Gentile have by the Holy Spirit access to the same Father. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. In Ephesians, he builds upon uh, he builds the, the Jew and Gentile into one in, in Ephesus in one they're in one to one unified congregation, one habitation of God. In Ephesians two twenty two, he says, In whom you are also builded together an habitation of God through the Spirit. What he's talking about there, the breaking down of the wall of separation. <laughs> You know, when we come to Christ, it's no longer Jew-Gentile. It's no longer black or white. We are a new race, the race of Christian. Paul reiterates what he says. And he adds emphasis and he adds example. Down in our text further, he says, in watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Kai eis autu tautu agrup nontes en passe proscarters isi, kai deisi peri pantunton agiun. Kai is the conjunction and. The thought keeps on progressing. Ice is the preposition of extent, into, to, as far as, to the extent of, unto. Altu is the accusative singular neuter reflexive pronoun this. Tautu is the accusative singular neuter demonstrative pronoun thing. Paul points back to what he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And now he points to it and makes application. Agrup nantes is the nominative plural masculine present active participle, a continuous action to be taken by the subject, the members at Ephesus. Be sleepless. Be awake. Watch. Abstain totally from sleep. Be watchful. Be attentive. And is the, is the preposition in. Passe is the uh, dative adjective all. Proscarisi is the dative singular feminine noun. It's the indirect object. It tells you how the action is received. Persistency. Perseverance. It derives from proscarireo to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. Paul is not saying we're not to go to sleep at night. But the warning is not to be lulled into insensitivity, not to be caught sleeping on duty. 
Well, you know, I've been married. I'm going to get in trouble here. A little over 36 years. I had to quick do some arithmetic. But I remember one night we had the... <laughs> We had the privilege to be incarcerated for two years on a four-letter word. It's called the Island of Guam. And uh, while we were there, we enjoyed six major earthquakes of six or greater on the Richter scale, and we enjoyed two typhoons. And uh, we thought we'd really killed a bear when Typhoon June came through at 171 miles an hour and barely got our feet wet. But then we had Typhoon Pamela. And uh, they were saying it was going to be worse. And uh, by that time we had uh, David and Deborah. And, uh, and uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. We'd done all we could do. And as we went to bed that night, we, we prayed and said, Lord, um, if we need to wake up, don't let us miss it. Wake us up. And that's been our practice several times over the years. And that night, instantaneously, he did. We both just, out of a dead sound sleep, just sat up straight in bed. And, uh, and uh, at the same moment, and the house we lived in, it had uh, partitions around the, the windows that went out about three feet from the walls of the house, and they were to be windbreaks for typhoons, etc. Uh, but the uh, previous occupant of the house had enclosed it and put a 50,000 BTU air conditioner in the enclosure, and therefore it kind of took care of the air conditioning for the entire upstairs. And uh, you needed that on Guam. But we sat up because <laughs> the typhoon had sort of taken that enclosure and taken it. And uh, we sat up and we were looking at the outside. We were looking at the palm trees bending over, uh, kissing the ground at 190 miles an hour. And uh, the Lord kind of took care of that. We were able to go in and secure the kids before they got sucked out and blown away. But the Lord does that. He knows that we're human. There are times we have to sleep. But at the same time, He's there to awaken us. He's there to arouse us. He's there to lull us out of the lethargy and into action. But Paul has in mind two specific examples. First of all, the example in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and picking up in verse 28. Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. We're here now on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it came to pass about an eight days after these things, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. 
And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there walked with him, talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. And while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. But notice here back in verse 32, Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. The two men that stood with him. We need to be more attentive Peter and James and John missed the important part, as did Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, who taught us that our Savior didn't know what he was on about in Superstar. But if Moses and Elias could be brought back to talk with the Lord about what would be accomplished on the cross of Calvary, they knew Christ came to die. And they were talking about what would be accomplished for human redemption. Peter, James, and John sort of slept through that part. And they got woke, awakened as the, as the things were winding down. And so what does Peter do? He ascribes deity to Moses and Elijah. And God says, Peter, listen to my son. But they missed the point because they were not alert. They missed the point because they weren't paying attention. Or we find in the garden, in Matthew 26, Matthew 26, picking up in verse 36, and this is just after they'd come out from the upper room and they'd sung in him and they came out and Verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Here is the occasion for the lesson that uh, I noticed this morning in Hebrews chapter 5, where it talks about Christ being uh, perfected, matured, completed, in that he wept and he learned obedience. Because he's looking into the cup that he will be forced to drink a few hours later, when for three hours the fellowship he knew from all eternity with the Father was broken and the Father turned his back upon the Son and for the first time in eternity that fellowship was broken because at that precise moment and for those three hours the penalty of your sin and mine was resting on the Savior and he knew the rejection experientially that sin causes 
if it made the eternal Son of God anxious and heartbroken and scared and he wept, why don't we, over the dregs and the depths of degradation of sin and the separation it causes, But he goes on, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even on the death terror you hear and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face praying, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. He findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Did you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. He came and found them asleep again. Their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Our text is telling us, Paul is telling us, we need to be alert about this business of prayer. This business of prayer is not something that's trivial. This business of prayer is something that has power in eternity. It has power now. It is something that is essential in our Christian walk. It is something that is essential in our Christian warfare. It is something that is essential in our daily life. And it's not to be trivialized. It's not something that's to be put on the back burner. It's not something that's to be put on the list of, oh, I've got to do that eventually, but we never get around to it. It's serious business. As we said at the outset, we are in a vast, unseen spiritual warfare. And that battle ebbs and flows. In my mind, I'm conjuring up the image of Moses up there seated on the rock and with the battle of the Amalekites and Aaron and Hur holding up his hands because he was old, his arms grew heavy and as he, they began to grow heavy, the rod began to drop and Josh was down there fighting the battle and he's getting himself seriously kicked around on that battlefield and Aaron and Hur hold up the hands. And again, Joshua begins to prevail. Folks, we are the Aaron and her. 
We need to be holding on to those prayer ropes for our missionaries. Alma and Mary probably wouldn't be here today if Dr. Clifford Clark and the people at Tulsa Baptist Temple hadn't got down in the pews and got serious about meaning business about interceding. We need to be in prayer. We need to be sensitive about it. We need to be serious about it. Father, this thing of prayer is serious business. And many times because we so freely can come into your presence, though unworthy we are, but we come in the merits of the shed blood of our Savior. And because we can come so freely, because we can come at any time, because we can come on behalf of others, in our mind, we take liberties with our liberty. And we don't. We don't. We're not tuned in as we ought to be to that still small voice who would have us intercede on behalf of others. We're asleep at the switch like Peter, James, and John. And we're failing our brethren because we don't intercede as we should. And Lord, I have five fingers on both hands pointed back at myself. We don't prevail in our portion of the battlefield because we don't pray as we ought. We figure we got cape and tights and we're supermen and we can prevail on the strength of the flesh. Well, we ought to be spending more time on our knees getting charged up. We ought to be spending more time on our knees with an open book. But in the Spirit of God, apply it to our lives as He desires to do. Father, might we covenant with you anew and afresh to take a fresh look at this business of prayer and rededicate our efforts to being found faithful, not only as spiritual warriors out on the battlefield on the streets of evangelism, but in the prayer closets beforehand in the prayer closets at night, in the still of the night, when there's no interruptions and we can spend some time with God. Lord, find us serious about this. Might we take it with the gravity with which it's written. Be careful to give you the praise and the thanks in Christ's precious name. But Father, perhaps there is one here this morning that you might have spoken with about it. Perhaps there's one here this morning that doesn't have a clue what we're on about because they know not the Savior.
Father, I pray you might touch that heart, speak to that heart. Lord, that they might come and find a vital living relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he who is the life. Might they find life in Christ and know the fellowship that we can rejoice in with the Creator, the Sustainer, and the soon-coming King, who is the glory of God. Father, I pray you'd have your will and way in each and every heart and life this morning. We ask it and thank thee in Christ's precious name. He alone is worthy. Amen. <laughs>